This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Hafta. Hello and welcome to News Laundry Hafta. Angrez apna lagan aur News Laundry apna hafta kabhi nahi bhulte. So we are back this week with our weekly podcast. Um, unfortunately, Abhinandan and Madhu are both missing. Uh, they've had some work to attend to, so they haven't been able to make it for this episode. But we have with us two very illustrious guests, which I'm going to introduce. Um, we have with us Sekhat Datta. Hi, Sekhat. Hi, Manish. Sekhat is currently the South Asia editor of Asia Times and policy director of Center for Internet and Society. He's been a journalist for over 21 years. Am I right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Worked as a defense correspondent with Indian Express, assistant editor with Outlook magazine, resident editor with DNA, and he was editor of National Security uh, with Hindustan Times. He's also written a book, India's Special Forces which uh, speaks on the future of India's special operations capabilities. So we'll, ha- we'll benefit with having you here as we discuss the plot to kill the Prime Minister. Thank you. We also have with us Saif Ullah Khan. Welcome, Saif. Thanks. Hi. Uh, he's been a journalist for... With, he has a journalistic experience over 15 years. Uh, he's currently deputy editor with Daily O, which is an opinion website of the India Today group. And before Daily O, he's worked with Times of India and Tehelka. So. I think you should you should have started with me after listing out all the <laughs> illustrious things that Saikat has done. So it's put me in a major insecurity mode. <laughs> it's okay. But you have me who's done nothing. Yeah. So. <laughs> cool. Just won a few awards here and there. That's oh, okay. Awesome, man. Awesome. <laughs> and of course, we have Raman sir with us. Welcome, Hi. Raman sir. And me, yours truly. So we have a lot of things to discuss today. It's been an action-packed week. Of course, I think something that really made news last week was uh, the two letters that were leaked into the media, which spoke of an assassination plot. The letters spoke of a Rajiv Gandhi type incident. So we discussed that at length. Uh, of course, the drama in Delhi continues. Uh, Delhi CM Kejriwal has been in a sit-in dharna at the LG's office. Yesterday, there were big protests. Jeshwan Sinha was part of the protest. Um, we have Akhilesh Yadav <laughs> leaving his former bungalow along with the bathroom fittings. <laughs> that made news. Um, we also have a very, uh, this is something that really disturbed me, the lynching of two boys in Assam. Horrific video that came out of that incident and really brought home how dangerous rumor mongering and fear mongering can be and the dangerous turn of events that it can take. There's also a little bit of a Twitter controversy. It's playing out mostly on Twitter with the chef Atul Kocher's tweet. He made certain tweets and then that tweet got a lot of backlash and the restaurant with which he was head chef has decided to discontinue their association with him. So that's really created a lot of liberal versus non-liberal, right versus left kind of a fight on Twitter, which is always fun to observe from far and tough to engage in. (laughs) So, and of course, there's also the AMU controversy where um, a bunch of students during Ramzan posted a picture saying, Naray Takbir Kingfisher Akbar. (laughs) That's got them into a soup. Uh, AMU student leaders have filed a case against them. The proctor has said that strict action should be taken taken against them. It'll be interesting to debate that also because it hasn't got much coverage in uh, news media. Not as much as Jinnah, obviously. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, let's start with uh, the plot to assassinate the Prime Minister. Uh, Just to give you a little bit of context, there have been arrests by the Pune police of of five activists. Uh, Following this, uh, there were letters leaked in the media, which were, uh, apparently they were procured during a raid in April from one of the accused Rona Wilson's laptop. These letters uh, talk about carrying out an assassination, a Rajiv Gandhi-style incident. It goes into length explaining ki why we must bring him down because we are against Hindu fascism and all that. And these letters were uh, played by the media, especially the television media, just fell for it hook, line and sinker without any questions asked. Created a huge furore. Sharad Pawar said these are fake. Uh, People in the Congress also raised questions on it, but said if it's a plot to kill the Prime Minister, we must uh, investigate into it. So let's talk about this. I think I'll begin with Sekhat. I want to first just ask, there is this term urban naxals, popularized by Vivek Agnihotri, and now it's suddenly you see the police also talking about urban naxals. Yesterday there was Bastar police saying that we've exposed. What do you think of this term? What does it mean? Are there really urban naxals out there? propagating the banned parties uh, ideology i mean what is the what is the what is the sense in this term so first of all i started my career 
covering the Pune police 22 years ago hmm. and I've never thought the Pune police would go down so much and become such a mockery of themselves by You were with Sakal Times, if I'm not mistaken? No, I was with a newspaper in those days called Maharashtra Herald which was bought over by the Sakal group later on. Hmm. But this is like shameful for the Pune police to go after something this silly Hmm. and then make a huge noise about it. So that's my personal take. So when we look at Naxals, I mean, these labels have come throughout any insurgency. You will find everybody constantly trying to put some name or the other. For example, in Kashmir, they used to have this term called OGWs, hmm. that is overground worker. So okay. that became a convenient term to label people every time the government or the state was unhappy with somebody. And that's a good label to not only discredit whatever they're espousing, but also to put them in jail if necessary. Hmm. So urban Naxals, if you look at Maoist literature, which I mean, when I say Maoist, this is all the three parties after they amalgamated into one singular unit, you know, Hmm. People's War Group and the others, they all came together. Hmm. So there is, they have a lot of literature on urban warfare, but they look at it from a military terminology, Hmm. where they look at, you know, how to conduct urban operations, both which will include psychological operations, information operations, as well as military operations. But they look at it from a very military perspective. And that kind of literature is available. But even the Naxals themselves or or the Maoists have never talked about anything called urban Maoist as a separate phenomenon. Because Mm. for them, class warfare is across whether rural or urban, there is no distinguishing. But this is a deliberate political term which some people of the right have brought it to discredit just about anybody who challenges their narrative. Anyone who's also working, seen to be working uh, against uh, police operations that may not be fair or arrests that are dubious. Because one of the cues, I believe, was also he's a lawyer who has really worked against uh, fake trials, so to speak, or arrests that are dubious. So, for example, if you see some of the key issues for many of these activists, especially from states like Chhattisgarh or even Maharashtra, is Jal, Jungle, Zameen, which is basically the three most important things, whether you're from a tribal community or in rural India. And these have always been the point of exploitation by many corporate groups. Mm. And so some of these narratives are built to try and discredit these basic, I mean, basic activists and basic fight Mm. for basic rights and human rights. So this is all nonsense as far as I am concerned. Sev, do you think the media just lapped up the letters without Obviously, you are absolutely right. And I would agree with Saikath on uh, certain things. I would also like to add, apart from Agni Hotri, there are several other people in the ruling establishment itself. You look, even if you look at Maharashtra, late Mahajan's daughter also, uh, when the farmers' protest was happening in Maharashtra, she called them urban axles. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah. it's not only about, uh, you're talking about uh, something in happening in Chhattisgarh. So it's just about painting somebody who may, dis- you're, you're basically deliberately trying to discredit people. And this is not the first time these things are happening. Right now, the terminology may have changed, but these things have happened even even around, even before two, 2009, in 2007, uh, two of our writers, uh, Arun Ferreira and Vernon Gonzalez, both were arrested in 2007. Uh, Arun was, uh, again, some letters were leaked and Arun was supposed to be, according to Maharashtra Police, uh, one of the uh, communications expert. Hmm. So he was arrested and the trial went on for four years and these leaked letters never even made it to the trial. Hmm. So it was just about painting a certain narrative about certain individual. Again, uh, kind Aru, of conduct a media exactly, trial, exactly. create Vern, a perception. Vernon was arrested in August 2007. And again, trial went on for seven years. And he was supposed to be one of the people handling the finances of the Maoists. Again, n- none of these facts that were mentioned in the letter came to the trial. Mm. And he was, after seven years, he was let off. Mm. And even the money that was uh, taken, uh, that, that was confiscated from one of his co accused, the court asked them to give it back. Mm. So it, there's a long history of it. And uh, interestingly, uh, there was a narco analysis that was done on Arun Ferreira, Hmm. uh, in which, according to the leaks, he had said that it was the Shiv Sena and uh, ABVP that had paid him. (laughs) (laughs) And Hmm. that was something that was leaked out. At that time, it was the Congress Uh, and 2009 general elections. Right now, you're looking at 2019. Hmm. So there is a lot of stuff happening behind it. And even right now... uh, such a serious charge 
nothing could be more serious than the targeting of the head of state mm. right now for for getting the remand the application as were put in nothing was mentioned about the assassinating the pm yeah yeah general stuff about nationalism was put in so the very fact that even these things were not raised for seeking their remand and their interrogation that in itself says that they have zilch they have nothing hmm. with them it is just about painting a certain picture and using this narrative just like you have these general name throwing happening you are anti national go to pakistan so again you have these urban nationals ka coming in so if if you're just not towing our line you become that certain individual i think for us like we ramans and i were discussing the story and first alarm bell was that why are these naxals openly like communities are then writing that hey let's kill the pm and they're explaining why also i mean apart I'm from posting pics in the letter <laughs> it was it had everything yeah i mean i'm guessing a naxal doesn't have to explain to the other naxal why we want to kill wo pura ek essay likha hua hai ki this is our ideology this no, is no. <laughs> in fact 2019 the elections intelligence bureau is quite active on this front if you see intelligence bureau uh, how they work on naxals they have tons of uh, you know material on naxals and uh, as saikat said it's mostly about the combat how they are going to militarily they're going to combat uh, you know the the police the army or or the paramilitary forces so there's tons of in fact i think i must be having you know some of it uh, even now today mm. i think ia ib is Uh, you know working on this keeping in mind 2000 because rb i another thing that i'll point out uh, ayodhya operations again the ib had prepared some reports and those reports were submitted uh, to the delhi high court and the delhi high court had come up with a historic judgment that how the ib func- functions you know mm. the letter that uh, we saw which which was made public is exactly the way i mean it is they they don't write anything excepting the most secret or secret they write and then the narrative there is no signature nothing mm. now this letter which has come out uh, i don't know whether it is it was from the uh, from the uh, from the mail somebody's mail ha it was I apparently it was from, from his desktop yeah from his so, laptop so i i i think it is it was completely a plant mm. and uh, with 2019 In elections uh, this was uh, more uh, for you know persecuting uh, people rather than prosecuting mm-hmm. them so that's what i feel true and like saif said that uh, the remand report we read it and it actually so if they discovered the letter in april you have two months to at least bring to the court that we've discovered something big we want to investigate this further but the remand report makes absolutely no mention no and in fact it says that they have communicated in highly coded language and we need to highly coded language yes three seconds i'll just add one more thing look at how serious this case is can yeah. be judged by which agencies investigating it for yeah. example for something like as stupid as the so called love jihad in kerala mm-hmm. the court asked the national investigating agency which is the supposed to be the premier counter terrorism agency to investigate that yeah. Here you have a plot allegedly to kill the prime minister forget about the NIA even the central bureau of investigation has not been brought in yeah. and this is clearly if if we are to believe these allegations a federal crime mm. which will have multi state uh, jurisdictions forget True. about just one police station and yet neither the central government nor the state government and both the governments belong to the same party mm. nobody is talking about bringing in the intelligence bureau nobody is talking about bringing in the NIA or the CBI that itself is a great indicator of you know what this plot is all about yeah that's a great and point actually yeah. at the also the profile of the people who have been arrested who are they the tis i think one is from the tis and one is a lawyer mm. and see if they had in the past if there is any criminal uh, you know they had criminal background Hmm. So 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 I mean uh, in total I think this is absolutely I mean we have, we have actually seen the same thing play out earlier also in Gujarat mm-hmm. when our prime minister was a chief minister so this whole bogey of an alleged at- assassination attempt that was being planned on Modi even in Gujarat at that time which which again was supposed to bring out that sort of sympathy wave and like he's the only man standing between all thing everything bad and the whole only one who can stop it and everybody is out there to get him so again we see that playing out and seeing the sort of uh, 
general unrest that's there i won't call it unrest but discontent that's there again it's very much a political ploy major discrepancy even in the letters a letter marked 2nd january talk yeah. about a upcoming a, event upcoming in december incident in 6 december so even ldt did not write exactly and they don't put dates <laughs> but that's so what uh, you know uh, i was actually going through the hmm. previous there was an attack in 2014 if i'm not mistaken where i think about 12 crpf officials died and two officers so that time there was a report saying that the intelligence failed to decode uh, you know a signal that was supposed to be warning them of an upcoming uh, attack so they failed to decode so obviously they operate in codes like i don't think maoists just like you know call each other up and say hey aaj is code aane ka hai so <laughs> i mean that's the you first alarm but a few other people like a few uh, some organization ran one of these letters which had the name of uh, umar khaled in it yeah, yeah so again certain oh that was a fantastical <laughs> like uh, umar khaled jignesh congress yeah. everyone exactly uh, so if if, if you tie everything together it it is very apparent it's it's a it's a very 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 political ploy most so, most have killed political leaders in the past also but i don't think they ever wrote the the their design how they're going to kill you know yeah, that political yeah. leader so i think this is one rare letter But, that we have got uh just a just a small question from this uh, to the panel why do you think it is that most in the media have just uh, fallen for it especially television media is it because uh it just goes with the government narrative what do you think there's genuinely a lack of understanding of beat reporting also is it that people just take just take plants and don't know of the precedent like you said that or, or you pointed out that there have been instances like this is see, it a problem see, of reporting than, or a problem of propaganda i think <laughs> more than uh, propaganda it's a problem with reporting also uh, we shouldn't be falling for everything that's out there if ani tweets a letter that doesn't mean it's sacrosanct so it's we can't just show we, we can't just go about and uh, in this race for breaking news we can't just use each and every scrap of paper plus we also have to understand there are certain laws and ju- judgment that have already been passed regarding evidence regarding the showing the faces of the accused regarding naming of the accused and how that can actually uh, lead to uh, proper justice wouldn't be done if these things already out there in the pu- in the public domain already being discussed for hundreds of hours in the in, in across media whether it's television or digital so we i think it more than propaganda it's also to do with the sort of reporting that we have right now especially in the age of breaking news any scrap of paper we get in the race to and especially when we have a major name like modi that obviously is going to grab uh, limelight and obviously if i don't break it the other person would so i would obviously i would have to follow up on that because none other than sambit patra was holding a press conference with the letter half yeah. a press conference official spokesperson of the bjp so how not to take cognizance of something like that from the ruling party so obviously something to do with reporting also second i think it's a function of propaganda today you have editors who jump and f- declare their love for cows when yogi adityanath becomes the chief minister <laughs> so when you have a situation like this it has nothing to do with journalism this is purely a function of propaganda and most of our editors have become propagandists mm. and they are in bed with the government and with the state and they want to further them also look at the timing they bjp has been facing electoral reversals from karnataka to many of the bipoles so this was a perfect anecdote to ensure that the attention is diverted of the population towards something as silly as this mm. and the editors willingly became propagandists ramansh uh, i think we were fed a uh, line of uh, propaganda and we fell for it mm. we at the media we just fell for it i mean nobody try to question the letter as we did i think we did a story on this mm. we did question it uh, i mean the first thing that came to your mind if they have submitted this piece of evidence to the court to any to any legal authority no they haven't so we have police on record saying they haven't done it but yes they have leaked it out to the media so we fell for it and uh, we fell for that pr- propaganda so okay so let's move to the next topic what would you guys like to discuss maybe uh, saif would you like to choose something that's been i think we can start with arvind kejriwal because that's something that's yeah. playing around in our backyard <laughs> so tell us uh, do you think it's just uh, so many people are cynical with anything that arvind kejriwal does it's like phir se drama shuru kar diya activist kejriwal ne see it's it's bound to be cynical if you look at aap's history 
and uh, the way they go about leveling allegations and uh, we have recently seen a backtracking of several allegations by Lot none other yeah by none other than the chief minister himself and uh, so there is bound to be some sort of cynicism uh, there are issues and <clears throat> there is some truth to the fact that the center through lg has been causing causing hurdles some initiatives of aap government in delhi are actually good things like mohalla clinic uh, some more initiatives do, uh, do uh, the doorstep uh, delivery, door of, delivery of certain uh, documents and stuff like that mm. which i don't think there is much reason for the lg to intervene and stop it uh, generally it has never this sort of uh, hostility we haven't seen for quite some time but the most interesting angle since i i generally uh, look through things from a political prism is how aap perceives 2019 and its role in it that's that's how i i see this this uh, big drama that's happening to be it's a fact that lg and uh, the delhi government have been having some issues but if you look recently over the past few months especially around the time of karnataka elections how the grand opposition has come together hmm uh aap has not been able to find its toehold in that opposition unity hmm. you have major opponents like mayawati akhilesh coming together on the same platform and uh, they are fighting elections you have got uh, uh, sharad pawar ajit pawar well, every more or less every political party is there mamta banerjee is there everyone is there aap has to look for its own survival in 2019 also and it has been making some signals to the congress whether it's delhi or whether it's uh, uh, madhya pradesh whether it's rajasthan but right now it's not getting much traction so my one of my reading is aap is trying to use this ploy to gain some headline to gain some sympathy in the run up and there are few more tools that they would use like something that we have been using for aimim something like a vote katua if you don't put us in a grand alliance obviously we will we will fight on all the seats and cut your votes and stuff like that but this is one of the ploy it, it is very much a political thing that they are doing keeping 2019 in mind uh saikat what well, is your uh, saif obviously knows the politics much better than me but the little that i know of aap because i've known these people much before they became aap a they are political novices in some ways hmm. so so many of their reactions continues to be in the activist mode which they were before so their first instinct is to become a victim and play that victim card mm. and, and, and really seek well. sympathy i don't mm. know whether they do it really well because at some point i think it's they've overplayed it and it doesn't seem to be working or paying the political dividends they were hoping it will does mm. so that's one aspect of it but what's also happening is something very shameful because if the bureaucracy mm. can cook a snook at an elected government and mm. a elected government with such a overwhelming majority Mandate. i think that's dangerous for democracy and it shows that the central government the federal government can go to any lengths to undermine the opposition and this is exactly the kind of corruption and rot we had seen in the indira gandhi congress days mm. when they would try and undermine state governments using any kind of tactic possible and we are seeing the same thing being repeated so so while the bjp keeps saying congress mukt bharat they are actually reinforcing congress bharat because in many ways they are picking up the same rot that the congress had brought in the 70s and the 80s mm. the next thing is that if you continue to undermine the elected government what role is the supreme court doing mm. for 6 months the supreme court has been sitting on a judgment and has held a judgment on this in uh, they've reserved their judgment and i am not very hopeful whether they'll come out with a very clear direction and mm. that also shows that while at some level the elected government is being undermined even the supreme court is playing ball with the central government and not really taking this up as quickly as it should and and resolve this issue mm. one way or the other for those of you not in the know the bureauc the delhi bureaucracy the has been on a strike for almost 2 months 4 months 4 months they haven't they just don't work and the last session in the delhi assembly uh, they actually pointed it to this fact very cleverly because every time there was a question the aap minister would say but the file has not moved because the bureaucrat is not coming to office so that is one thing like they genuinely don't have people to work with yeah, but the bureaucracy is saying that they are not on strike mm. 
that's the that's their narrative that they are not on strike mm. they are answering you know all the queries uh, asked on the telephone but they feel they fear going near to the minister they fear going near to the up MLA mm, because, because of that uh, uh, so that is why so they say we are not on strike we are working we'll move the file we'll write uh, we'll we'll uh, make notes also on the file but we will not go to the minister so that's what they are saying and do you think the current thing is drama or is this kejriwal and no, RJ my, only have i i think to i think there is more one more uh, important thing i think the bjp feared kejriwal the most when he came in you know with 67 i think bjp uh, modi in particular they really feared him the most so they created an they started building up a narrative around him that this man is chaotic mm. this man just loves cure loves cures and he is on perpetual dhanna yeah so <laughs> so 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 they they created that narrative what i am i feel that kejriwal will have to understand that because kejriwal i mean he is doing everything for all genuine reasons maybe but but the problem is he's falling for you know uh, that trap which the opposition the, the bjp has laid around him that he is a chaotic man he will not do any work he will just sit on dhana all the time and this is really happening and it's not going well with the people uh, mm. so so this dhana and all but so it's what are the chances of uh, delhi getting statehood no <laughs> i don't think uh, the bjp had it in its manifesto for years and then <laughs> when they were in government madanlal khurana said then shila dikshit also one on this shiv singh verma yes, one on yes. this and none of them have ever done sushma swaraj also came in so this was shila who center and the state were both ah, congress still yes, it didn't happen yes. as people living in ncr do you feel that we should delhi should absolutely. get it absolutely yeah. statehood is there for the i think in all the manifestos of all the political parties since time immemorial mm-hmm. i mean 20 years or i think even brahm prakash who had come in 1958 even at even that time, he had that he time. had that <laughs> so it's an old demand it's an old demand it's But not happening and all parties have promised it they've done nothing about it and it's i mean this having a unelected official like the lg deciding the fate of elect of the voters or the citizens mm. it's an absolute shame and it's a blot on yeah, the face of democracy in in a modern day country you look at it globally even mm. in washington dc or in london or in canberra or any other major democracy despite being the capital city it is the directly elected officials who run the city mm. and nobody is imposed even from the federal level and it is not even allowed mm. and that has been the practice which has survived for hundreds of years across many many democracies mm. delhi is one of the few places where this nonsense is allowed to carry on yeah as a result you have things like pollution which never i mean today i think it's, oh, it's yes it was 999 i think the levels no pollution is slightly different you see pollution is for example outside the periphery of delhi mm. there is no control of the state government and a lot of it is coming because of rajasthan you need to like fix it you know you people see, you coming on board it. to you want can't to fix, fix it because mm. you see everybody looks at it as a delhi problem but it is pollution in delhi is not a delhi problem so not in delhi no, no, it's terms uh, it, it also has to do with geography area. especially proximity to rajasthan the several other and factors. punjab and mm. the burning of uh, burning to still it, it happens specific places but the proximity to rajasthan again leads to a lot of no but these issues. issues get you know you forget about these issues because of so much political turmoil so if the government is not in a political turmoil they can still think about it how to tackle with these problems mm-hmm. okay if there is a storm in rajasthan and if if they can use the sprinkles or something so they can they can work Can't on it stop gap but right now nobody is thinking about mm-hmm. it and the city is in shambles okay Um so Saika do you want to choose the next topic as our guest would you what no, would, would you like to discuss anything that you thought whatever, uh, is discussion worthy no whatever you think <laughs> okay so actually i will i think i'll pick up uh, a sam lynching of two boys i think that really i mean i saw the video and i was just shocked because it's just something that could happen to any one of us these two boys uh were traveling they go to this apparently they took a detour to this village because there's a pond or a waterfall, waterfall there which is famous for it has diamond fish and these guys are really into fishing so they went there 
and this village which uh, doesn't get much electricity no newspapers no television is mostly fed information social media is a big source of their information and f- through facebook for about 2 3 weeks they had been fed rumors that there are child traffickers on the loose and this area actually has a very big child trafficking problem it's one of the highest instances of child trafficking this district so it's a real concern for people there but they had rumors uh, saying that these guys are on the loose and beware of them so for about 2 weeks men from the village were keeping guard and then uh, rumors also said things like you know they impersonate women uh, they are in a car and all that and these guys happened to be there at, i think the, at the most unfortunate time and everything that could go wrong went wrong and one of them actually had dreadlocks so yeah. you know it just this whole thing about i mean it matched so much with what the rumors they were being fed and also the complete i think it shows in india there are two worlds which have no connection with each other you have a super urban part which is really moving at a speed and then you have this rural part which has no idea where you know it never has an interaction with the urban uh, space and so they're suspicious of anything that comes from there and these boys i think almost for th- two hours they were beaten with bamboo sticks and uh, they were pleading throughout saying that please i'm an assamese my mother's name is this my father's name is this leave me and they were assamese and speaking in assamese with these guys but i think one of the man, one reasons now now that there's like a lot of investigation happening some of the men were also drunk so the alcohol had a huge role to play in the violence but it was absolutely shocking and uh, just to imagine that this can happen to anyone anyone just could happens to be in anyone. the wrong place at the wrong time mm. could have uh, it, it actually brings brings out the the sort of negative effect that social media has major especially yeah. uh, these viral videos or messages that go out on and social media that can spread yeah, so fast yeah. without countering uh, absolutely and it's it's not only this uh, in most of these incidents of lynching you you have or mob violence you have this major role of whatsapp happening mm. and uh, uh, it's 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 very difficult to actually uh, police these sort of things because you 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 can't preempt you you have no idea that such thing is going to happen especially you have this whole uh, hostile environment especially in the light of national register of uh, citizens and everything us versus them already happening in assam and outsiders insiders especially given in this environment the especially the role of social media this this is something that's been feared for quite some time and uh, like it it also questions actually the humanity like how on what level you, it's it's okay to catch somebody to hand them over to the police to but 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 to actually see such sort of incidents happening over month and month and month regularly where uh, you are actually killing people for the sake just on the basis of some whatsapp forward just on the basis of some message that been forward somebody told you something about that person that person mm. doesn't actually uh, uh, is is not wearing the sort of attire you perceive to be uh, the other reports also there was this transgender who was asked by the police to leave the area because again fearing for that person's safety mm. uh, we have this preconceived notions and especially it's it's very much uh, then these cultural especially in these areas where the mainstream media is not there where the proper information network is not there and the There's only information no connection huh, i mean yeah. it's an outside world for them but but still even so i was just thinking that 500 people descend for one and a half hours you're beating a guy up who's pleading i mean not one comes up and says okay stop let's give him to the police and you haven't even caught him in the act or something yeah so it's that kind of it's really a psychology to understand what what makes a mob this violent and bloodthirsty sekat would you like to chip so uh, here i'll take a contrary stand and i'll probably disagree with what has been said so yes, far yes please i don't yeah. think it has anything to do with social media i don't think it has anything to do with whatsapp forwards etc mm. you see there has been riots before and there will be riots after this and mm. people will be lynched for because that's how the mob works so mm. this is more to do with how mobs function and how violence in public life works rather than to looking at when you're looking at whatsapp forwards and social media etc you're only looking at it symptomatically mm. so my family comes from these parts and violence when you say these parts 
you from mean? undivided Assam. My family okay. comes from these parts. Oh, so, okay. So mm. you have nationalism, you have sub-nationalism. These have been themes which has been very much, you know, tribal identities, the Ohom identity on one hand, the tribal identity in Karbi Anglong, the, the tension between the Ohoms and the smaller tribes like the Bodos, etc. So this, these all have been a part and parcel or, or, or even mm. the Naga sub-nationalism or the Methi sub-nationalism. Mm. These have all been part of the region for a long time which have their own set of dynamics mm. but place these dynamics in the political violence that is there in India today the politics of identity has mm. been extremely sharpened and extremely polarized us versus them has been extremely sharpened by a political party because it serves their purpose mm. so at some point if you look at the evolution of political violence initially it looks very it pays a lot of dividends to whoever is exploiting it but there comes a point which is the point of no return where you end up going to a place where it starts spilling out of control because mm. once you have started reminding people what their identity is every person starts looking at their identity and interprets it according to their own their, cognitive yeah. biases so today i might think i'm an upper caste male hindu because that's who i am but then i'll also start thinking but i speak this language and within that hindu i am this caste and within that caste i'm sub caste and so on and so forth and people then tend to congregate together based on those cognitive biases mm. and today what we are seeing is i mean why are people being so surprised just because two hindu boys were killed by another mob people are getting surprised but mm. when Pehlu Khan or yeah. or the others were being lynched just because somebody had spread a rumor that there is some meat in somebody's refrigerator mm. at that time people weren't shocked Mm. The, what we are seeing today is basically that violence beginning to spin out of control and it's getting into a position where you really can't put the genie back into the bottle. Mm. The police could have done a lot. The district administration could have done a lot. The whole idea of governance is moment you start having these rumors, a good SP of the district or a good SDPO yeah. who's a sub, uh, who reports to the SP, this is their job to figure out what kind of tensions are there and go out and assure people and start giving them correct information. So in some ways, the district administration, the tehsildars, the SDPOs, the SP, everybody failed. And this is happening today across the country because the politics have become like that. That's a very interesting point actually because if for two weeks there were such rumours and there was tension in the village and the men were keeping vigil, what was the police this doing? This is not or new. I mean, I've seen many, I have many friends in the police and they are very good who, when they were young and then they were SPs. They've all come across these kind of, I mean, think of what happened post Babri Masjid when everything was so charged. Many SPs took professional risks and displeased their political masters but took decisive action to ensure that no violence is it. And, and the police know who are the known troublemakers or who mm. are prone to violence. And once preventive arrests take place, or they go out and take out a morcha, they can control the situation. So this is not something that is very new in terms of political violence. But this shows that at every level now, whether it is at the administrative level or whether at the social level, we have created so many schisms for political gain that this violence is now becoming uncontrollable. Mm. No, I think there are administrative lapses there are lapses in violence management but i don't see it as a political violence case i mean this particular case hmm. is not a case of political violence i think it is really really unfortunate as you said it could have happened to anyone any one of us i mean we as traveler we like the you know virgin places maybe this village i I, again, I was not on the ground, so I don't know where it is located. But, uh, I mean, this uh, village was near to that virgin place, these two fellows, you know, who have no political inclination. So I don't see it as a political violence. I think it is more, social problem. more of a social problem. Yes, it could be a problem of identities, I mean, the local. But definitely there was a rumor. The trigger, what was the trigger, immediate trigger was the rumors spread through WhatsApp. Messages, Facebook. Ah, yeah. no, Facebook messages. So I think that was the main trigger, and uh, I don't. I will not club it with uh, you know the the lynching uh, like the cow lynching uh, club. Mm. This particular incident with cow lynching or 
you know the there other you cases. think there's a decisive yeah, which is definitely which are definitely a case of political violence which are definitely part of uh, you know a narrative uh, which has been spun around us uh, but this particular case i think was uh, different i think if you remove the trigger i would like to add this point if you remove this trigger like here it happened through uh, social media but obviously whenever we see these sort of incidents the mob mentality does come into play yeah. once you have that trigger then you then obviously no it mob. becomes the same thing whether it's politically motivated whether it's through identity or through whatsapp forward or rumor mongering or whatever but then to have 500 1700 people come in and to do some such an act then obviously you have this whole mob mob mentality and that that is something that would actually tie up several of these incidents whether it's junaid akhlaq pehlu or this incident but yeah obviously the reasons behind could be different some could be due to their religion some could be due to their identity some could be uh, specific to uh, like child snatching rumors or whatever but yeah once that trigger is there then obviously this whole uh, mob mentality does come into play sekat you were saying so just to clarify i'm not saying that this is a manifestation direct manifestation of political violence i'm saying that these all start with political violence mm. and then violence starts manifesting itself because political violence also legitimizes the use of mm. violence as the first response to anything that is suspicious yeah. today lo- let's look at what's happening across india not only are we seeing lynchings and murders and and acts of violence which suddenly come up randomly people are also taking selfies people are taking videos for example mm. in up a girl is being disrobed by a bunch of boys and somebody is actually filming it mm. why are they doing this because and what is the manifestation which is leading to this it is dehumanizing people they are now thinking that violence that is now legitimate that it is good that in some ways violence is a legitimate response etc mm. so in some ways this has now manifested where people now look at violence as not only a legitimate response in some cases as the first response to anything which threatens their idea of being True. so political violence has now evolved to a stage where it has become mob violence and it has spread and it has manifested and evolved into various other means and you will see more of this coming out as we go along i think there's something fundamentally psychological also because if these guys were really child snatchers or traffickers we know the horrible things that child traffickers do to children is the worst crime and you will see in a lot of our conversations with parents or with friends you'd be like ha acha hua matlab aise koi rapist hai to usko pakad ke maar dena chahiye ya child snatcher hai child traffickers and they should just be given to the mob so all of us do sometimes in conversations think that mob violence is fine it just so happens that in this case he's innocent and i mean we have in various ways sometimes have been okay with mob violence when we know that the crime is so bad so i think I think we all Putting have our own triggers. Putting myself in the villagers' uh. position, if they genuinely believe these guys are here to pick our kids up, it's a very kind of a response that you can understand from their point of view because this place does have a huge issue with uh, child trafficking. But again, I think uh, for me, it's really a story about two Indias that have nothing to do with each other, who are just so suspicious of each other. I'll read a letter and then we can get to. I think we can talk about the chef and the tweet and AMU together, and that'll and then and then we'll. have our recommendations for the week so i have a letter this one letter addressed to abhinandan uh, i think he should read it out when he is here so he can respond to you swapnil so we'll read it next time uh, there's one letter by arun ram uh, he says dear abhinandan i'm an nl subscriber i've been hearing hafta from episode 100 and have been a loyal listener of your podcast since then your panel has kept me great company as i waded through the traffic from office to home i have subscribed for swarajya as well as nl i'm also modi enthusiast so i guess i qualify as a secular right liberal It's time for Hafta to rediscover itself as you inch towards your double century. I miss the headbutting between Ranga Uncle and your good self that made the entire conversation enriching for the listeners. Your rant is very mundane. Okay, I'll tell Abhinand that. The panel now is mostly agreeable and your set of guests are seemingly predictable. In the spirit of Pranabda and RSS engagement, you need to have guests with opposing ideology to be part of your panel. NL Swarajya mashup would be a real treat for both the subscribers. I hope you will consider this and rediscover the spirit of Hafta. So thank you so much Arun thanks for liking us and yeah we do do make an effort to get uh, panelists from opposing ideology we routinely reach out to uh, Jaggi for example we've had Prasanna on our podcast we do ask Anand also to come every now and then but he's been keeping busy so he he hasn't found the time to come here so it is always our endeavor to get you various ideologies we it's good for us also we also don't i mean if it's everyone's agreeing it's a bit 
you don't have someone to challenge your views and that's always not a great thing for a journalist it's always nice to be uh, to hear out different uh, perspectives so yeah we'll definitely try to include more people from the right i'm guessing that's what you want because most of us here are left liberals bad left liberals <laughs> so not me no you're not what are you center right i'm saikat <laughs> I already have a label which my parents yes. played on me. That's, <laughs> That's the only enough. label I'm Just happy. your name. <laughs> okay, so I think we can uh, end with this Chef Atul Kocha's remark. Just to give you a little brief, his uh, this was he had written a tweet in response to a controversy on Quantico, where they showed a, a Hindu terrorist. That episode was about a Hindu terrorist, and he wrote to her saying that shame on you, uh, uh, Muslims have persecuted Hindus for about two thousand years. years. and you should be understanding towards that that then got picked up and a lot of people said oh how can he be this this is a bigoted remark and uh, subsequently of course he's working in dubai so this didn't go down well with his own people uh, you know people he was working with there so the hotel he was working with has discontinued the contract and now there's a you think first and foremost do you think it was a bigoted tweet do you I think, think it was, was bigoted i think it was okay personally i think Why? it was see you are talking about a particular show you're talking about an actress okay you take a call on that whatever you your i may have a certain opinion about quantico but when you involve on the basis of that another community i personally i wouldn't be too agreeable to that sort of uh, categorization hmm. if yeah one of the writers of quantico could have a bangladeshi origin or whatever something i think one of the writers of the episode had some uh, was from bangladesh or whatever but that's got nothing to do with the community i don't think she wrote it thinking in mind that yeah i'm not even sure if she was a muslim that yeah i'm writing this because i'm a muslim and yeah this is a particular right wing narrative that needs to be brought out mm. and that's not that much out there in the public domain so i think he should have stuck to the fact that yeah freedom of expression should be there and uh, i think priyanka chopra should also keep in mind the sentiments of certain people and should should just let it be ha it is well within his right to say whatever uh, he wants but my freedom shouldn't include like uh, hurting some other person so obviously you are based in the middle east your clientele is uh, predominantly muslim and then obviously you're going to get backlash on that it's not like you are sitting somewhere in nagpur and you're tweeting something like that that is something expected of a lot of people mm. if 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 tomorrow agnihotri tweets something people won't go to town about that yeah you it's 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 expected of you moreover you are in a certain industry that caters to more or less everyone so again that comes into play i personally uh, didn't find it uh, i don't think it, but do you it, think huh? it was a bigoted remark like do you think it displayed hate for a community i think it did i okay. personally think it did but i my personal opinion is that his apology should have sufficed okay so for jw obviously it was a business decision they they discontinued service i don't i personally don't think that he should be ostracized on the basis of one tweet that he did so all of us are bound to make mistakes even i could tweet something wrong which i may as a follow up realize it was not right or whatever and if i do agree to withdraw it or whatever i may not agree to withdraw it uh, the the repercussion or the sort of uh, uh, backlash he got professionally i i, I don't think I, i think people should have let it be once he issued that clarification and he issued that apology but yeah i do agree the fact with the fact that it was a bigoted tweet saikar do you think it was bigoted the tweet not only was it bigoted i think the man is completely uneducated <laughs> i mean he gets his history wrong he says islam's been around for 2000 years i mean at least he should get his basic class 2 or class 3 history right to start with so he doesn't have any sense of history and he's probably a generation which even before whatsapp came on the scene they were already being fed a lot of this nonsense and he fell for it hook line and sinker mm. and uh, while saif is being very generous to him fact of the matter is he's been tweeting like this for a long time he just came into prominence because really? this one got caught okay. and people have dug out his older tweets uh-huh. where he has this twin personality so when he wants publicity he goes and cooks for refugees and he's portrayed as somebody cooking for refugees in london hmm. while well, suddenly when it come to rohingyas he suddenly thinks there's the scum of the earth oh, i mean okay. the split personality is very interesting so this is what bigotry is i mean you have certain notions you have certain misconceptions you have no sense of history physics geography whatever whatsoever you have some assumptions and based on those assumptions you suddenly other and then start hating those people and you're constantly suspicious of anything they do and this is exactly what he did and we see 
today social media is basically outing many of us who is to privately say these things in our living room mm. are not publicly finding legitimacy to say this and feel very proud about it mm. and i think every time somebody does this they should be hunted out and they should face the consequences of what they're saying because these are the kind of people who make this world a much worse place mm. and if we continue to do this there's no end to this i mean then i'll find somebody who has years an inch longer than mine and i'll say that th- i have a problem with that there's no, no i have a different this. i mean when i read the tweet i thought it's dumb and ill informed and a lot like the whatsapp messages that you said but I didn't find it bigoted. I mean, I don't think it is something for he which... He was targeting Islam. And mm. if you were to look at it, and I mean, if if you really want to target Islam, then you look at a whole lot of Islamic countries and they have been, historically, they have been far more progressive than Christian-dominated uh, countries. Mm. I mean, nobody talks about the Spanish Inquisition and, and the, what the West has done in terms of colonialism and in terms of exploitation is far worse than anything in the name of Islam has been done i mean you need to have some basic understanding of yeah, history like said, before you make these things but moment you start targeting and you say he could have said that you know he's welcome to criticize the fact that hindus are being portrayed as terrorists even i would object to that but to suddenly use that as an opportunity to target <laughs> islam and then tar all of islam like this and also get his facts wrong while doing that <laughs> is <laughs> like the uh, i mean as extreme as it can get after all it was just a fiction i mean there's so many fictional serials on muslim terrorists yeah. so there's one on the hindu terrorists so how does it matter <laughs> a B, yeah I mean, the quantico controversy is really stupid uh, like, i mean you you if you plot me to if you write about hindu the serial <laughs> i mean you like it or you don't like it fine but the muslim terrorists i mean there are so many of them yeah i have seen so many of them okay and and the second thing is invoking centuries old past to you know counter something like quantico i think is absolutely foolish and even and that he gets wrong i mean at least get your history he basic history yes. right so yes. i mean for me i thought the tweet was i just i didn't have an opinion on it whether it was bigoted or not i found it stupid but i don't know if i would say that okay this is the worst tweet or is it, i mean i see people do far worse things on twitter but also i don't think it's a freedom of expression thing because if the hotel then things business can interest me i want to fire this guy because it doesn't it's not in line with my brand it's a private organization it's doing what it wants to do so i i'm a little confused about this being a freedom of speech thing but i think too much was made out of it also i mean it's a tweet call him out criticize him but then i think i think since since it got him. since it got tied up with quantico and already that thing was already playing up probably that's why it got a little bit more air time since priyanka was already being bashed about this whole thing she herself issued a clarification uh-huh. and an hmm. apology and everything no if it, uh, if it had been on some other issue other than quantico i don't think it wouldn't have uh, like he said he's this. done tweets which haven't got if, but even i wasn't aware of uh, yeah even i like, don't know uh, but coming from this to something that absolutely didn't get much play i think and i found it very shocking was uh, again which then raises questions that the right legitimately asks of the left that you're too scared to criticize islam or muslims it was this case in amu where about 3 to 4 students Post were students. posted a social media picture which i thought was really funny and one of them is an amu student and the three are former students so they are drinking during ramzan and they have posted this something that we are lapsed muslims and whatever and with a slogan saying narai tak slash beer like beer kingfisher akbar kingfisher akbar and this the amu student leaders have taken offense to they've gone to the police registered a complaint for hurting religious sentiments and distorting religious uh, slogans the amu proctor has said action should be taken you haven't had anyone from amu come up in support of these guys there's been no i know for us we've been trying to get people to write from amu now no one's agreed finally tofel has written a piece for us uh, do you think because when you have cases like these which is also impinging on the right of students to drink or eat or think the way they want to and a really a harmless joke something like this happens and no one raises a question then do you think this sort of legitimizes the rights grouse with the left that when it comes to muslim uh, fundamentalism or religiosity or katarpanti to say it you don't question it enough see it's a little tricky thing i first of all i would like to say ki the role of the proctor and how the administration has handled it is it's absolutely pathetic hmm. they had actually no role in it hmm. i think 
they were out in khan market or some place i mean whatever place they, they were not drinking or doing whatever whatever they were doing it it it, it had got nothing to do with the campus apart from the fact that one of them was a current that girl was a student she was mm. doing a bachelor's from there so first of all university has got no role in it mm. what they do outside the confines of the university so university shouldn't get into it first of all whether the doctor saying we will investigate it and whatever the ex students would be debarred and the current student action would be yeah, i think very, uh, very i i think that's absolutely pathetic and amu especially since uh, it talks recently we had this whole jina controversy and everybody was rallying behind their everything it doesn't go with the spirit of uh, amu at all and if if that's actually the spirit of amu then i think that's a wrong spirit first of all now coming to the fact that these students put it out on social media the other aspect see it is well within the rights of every person irrespective of the religion to go out and have a good time i may like having a drink i may be a muslim so that i am well within my rights and nobody on this earth has any any reason to question me on that or to question my religion on that because that between me and my god and what god i follow and whether i am an atheist or not i may i may be a khan i may be an atheist so first even that thing doesn't matter now coming to the fact that it was posted on social media and it led to several people being a little scandalized going to threats the extent also. ha go, so ha, ha, so again things. that shows a very very negative nature uh, something that you have been calling out the right on several things mf hussain for example was chased out of the country in the very end of his Uh, career he uh, just for the fact that he drew something something that he was very passionate about he uh, he had full respect for the, those things so this whole thing is actually exposed amu a little bit especially coming uh, from the whole jina controversy where mm. they actually came out uh, looking uh, quite good Hmm. of the whole politicization of jina versus gana and everything they they came out looking quite good i think this is something that whatever they are uh, sort of uh, reactions that we are getting on social media especially from muslims i don't think that's fair hmm. and uh, but do you think the media would have picked it up if it was say abbp guys registering a complaint against some hindu kids eating beef during navratri absolutely see given the political have... climate in this country right now these are the things that grab headlines hmm. tomorrow if aap government is changing the face of education sector in delhi government it won't grab that much of a headline than some muslim having beer posting it on social media with this comment or some hindu having beef and he there a lot of reactions regarding that so that again has to do with something that i think saikath has pointed out in a few of his answers also ki there's a certain uh, political climate in this country where uh, these sort of narratives have become very mainstreamed and they 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 are the tip of your tongue all the time you you tend to see things through these prisms much more earlier if you i come from allahabad so in allahabad in the old area of the city we used to have our hindu friends also if we if we used to go out and have some kebab paratha or something in today's climate if you see some brahman going to jam to kareem's and not kareem some other place in jam masjid where they may be serving beef also you would instantly label that person as an ex sort of a hindu so it has a lot to do with the current political climate of it also second what's your view you, were you aware of this amu controversy of course who can escape this <laughs> so i mean those student leaders who are criticizing them if i had my way i would have packed them off to another fine institution called the national defense academy <laughs> put 40 kilo pitthus on their back and made them run a few hundred kilometers Ooh, and which that's the guys drinking all these guys know no, who no, are no, criticizing protesting. protesting and criticizing and i tell you a 40 kilos on your back and you're running at a certain speed in a certain time limit sorts out a lot of things <laughs> but seriously this is the problem and and as saif has very rightly put out if i am eating i am not a red meat eater so but if i am eating chicken on navratri and if somebody wants to take away that plate of chicken god help anybody who tries to you know mess around with my chicken mm. i mean what i eat what i drink whether it is in public or in private it's my business and nobody and no excuse can stop me from doing that because i am not conduct carrying doing anything that is illegal mm. what i am even more disturbed about is people who call themselves liberal they have come out and they are now defending or or criticizing the act that you know these boys have deliberately done this to provoke my question is if you feel that you are being provoked 
then don't look at that post hmm. get sign out of facebook or twitter if it's bothering you so much making that as an excuse is exactly the kind of thing that women in this country face yeah. where they're always Blame told them. that you provoked by wearing a short skirt or you tied your hair in a provocative manner so somebody was forced to rape you etc this is exactly the same kind of nonsensical arguments that women have faced for a long time and this is the true test of liberalism if you can't handle something and if something outrages you stop looking at it mm. doesn't mean that you have to create such a huge furore about it yeah. and this is exactly the kind of illiberalism which the right exploits for their polarization yeah, yeah. and for their identity because politics because the left just doesn't call it out enough i mean again i don't believe in right or left i mean i don't think there is anything right or left because people who claim to be right are more left and people who claim to be left suddenly provoke them and they become more right so all that is nonsense but this is the true test for liberalism and if you can't be a liberal then you have given up your rights to expect the same kind of respect others expect from you true raman sir would you like to add anything to this yeah i think they have said most of the things but i see it uh, not uh, i see it more uh, you know an issue of assertion mm. not so much of fundamentalism i think we have an atmosphere with the two communities i mean there is a very sharp polarization so whenever there is a situation the hindus assert say the cow on the cow issue or any issue so similarly so since the polarization is happening and the other community is also feeling very uh, vulnerable so they also find such occasions which are absolutely I mean, bullshit uh, to assert their to identity. assert their identity so i see it more as an issue of asserting their identities see for a religion with almost 1.6 billion followers one post is not going to hurt it okay so you are yours if if you think that you're doing it in the name of your religion you're doing a disservice to your own religion if you think it's so fragile ki one person's derogatory comment or one person's post is actually gonna dent a religion that's mm-hmm. been out there for centuries and with so many ardent followers throughout the world so it wasn't even derogatory that's what i mean, say i found it funny like when i read it, i was like okay that's innovative so i mean i think it's also lack of humor we just take ourselves so seriously ki matlab choti si i think this ke. is newton's sixth law that every <laughs> stupid action will have an opposite and equally stupid, stupid reaction <laughs> But it's not stupid. I thought it was funny. Like those I, I kids mean, were... the reaction against the oh, post okay, okay. is so stupid, yeah, 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 yeah. and that's a reaction to, as Raman pointed out, the stupidity stupid. that's anyway going yeah, around. Yeah, right terms now of we're just seeing competitive regression. Like who can be more aggressive than the other instead of absolutely moving ahead. On that note, we the podcast comes to an end. Thank you so much. We ju- usually have a recommendation for our listeners, so please, uh, if there's anything well, you can recommend. your articles your website or other people's work well articles. i would recommend uh, some other person's uh, article on my website okay. and it's a uh, everybody should read it especially in the context of this whole assassination this bogey around the assassination attempt uh, around uh, pm modi uh, mm. it's been written by arun ferreira and vernon gonzales and mm. uh, uh, apparently one of the tweet that was one of the letters that were tweeted out by ni had the name uh, arun and vernon also i'm not sure which uh, which arun and vernon that letter mm. pointed out but both these guys have been through this in 2007 and uh, they have been incarcerated they have gone through this whole hell for uh, one faced a case for 5 years one faced a case six years it's a very chilling piece it's a must read for everybody who needs to understand the how, how these things are actually being played out with a serious political uh, minds behind it even mm-hmm. something so significant where you are even calling out uh, uh, things like uh, an assassination attempt against the prime minister of a country second your recommendation so i will make a slightly general recommendation that ever since i've been associated with asia times it's also made me realize that as indians how we've become very uh, we, we are not really looking outwards anymore we are increasingly looking more and more inwards and that's not a very good thing like for example you know if you look at india 
from a slightly outside perspective and if you look at india from a contextual identity as a pan asian identity you will find a lot of similar issues are being for example philippines and duterte are having some kind of issues uh, bringing back i mean the il- elections in malaysia mm. is very interesting because the new prime minister who's come back after a hiatus in politics is talking about doing away with gst while india is going out and embracing gst mm. so if you start looking at some of these stories or if you look at the asean economy and how it's really progressing and is one of the largest and fastest growing economies there are tons and tons of things there which we as indians can identify with mm. and learn from and also start viewing our inward or internal issues with a much bigger perspective mm. and i think that is the best antidote to get out of this whatsapp mentality where we so easily and mm. so foolishly fall for rumors mm. and so more reading and reading from a larger perspective i think will be a great thing so yeah you could read asia times a little more <laughs> my god that was such an elaborate <laughs> pitch for asia times oh my god i just realized <laughs> okay well, log on to asia uh, times and uh, read i've just started reading uh, a book which i should have read earlier the panama papers so the book uh, is about the rich all over the world we know how it happened in india but uh, i did not re- uh, you know read in depth about the riches like putin and all how they uh, you know made their money and uh, stashed it somewhere else so i'm just reading that book the panama papers i'm going to uh, in the similar spirit as sekat i'm going to plug news laundry madhu trehan is back with close line after a long time and this new episode is about fake news and what you guys can do to counter fake news and where you figure in the whole scheme of things so watch it and share it with your friends uh, thanks a lot for listening in we'll be back next week and remember when corporates pay corporations are served when the public is paid public is served so pay to keep news free subscribe to news laundry or subscribe to other independent news websites or networks that you like but pay for news have a happy weekend and here's a little song for this week dedicated to no one in particular just for your listening pleasure thanks a lot thank you thank you laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.